this. If you look on your bulletin, uh, it says foot and mouth disease. And today uh, we're going to be looking in James chapter 3 and verse number 1 in just a few moments. So if you want to, you can, you can take your Bible and you can turn there. And uh, we're going to look in the first 12 verses in just a few moments. But one of the things I like so much about the book of James is that it is so practical. And uh, one of the issues he talks about is the power of our speech and how we need to be careful about how we use our speech. And I'm sure at one point or another, all of us have, have said things that we've regretted or we've said things we thought, man, I can't believe that actually came out of my mouth. Uh, whenever, whenever Village Church started, uh, one, of my, one of my really good friends moved out to Blythewood to help us start the church. And he, it was such a great thing for him to come. It's absolutely hilarious. And there'd be times when we first started, and, uh, you know, you'd have like five people walk in. And so I'm wondering, are we going to survive? And then my friend would come over, and he would just say something just absolutely moronic, and I'd start laughing, and we'd have a, have a good time. So it was a godsend that he came. But one of the great things about him is that he has absolutely no filter between his brain and his mouth. Now, that is entertaining a lot of times, uh, but there are other times because of that when it can be sort of awkward. And let me try to give an example. I, we, we had not been uh, having worship services for that long, and this lady came to the school where we were meeting, and she was new, and so he's over there, you know, chatting her up and talking, making her feel welcome. And so I'm, I'm standing near him, and I'm looking at her, and I thought, I thought, she, I thought she might be pregnant. Now, I wasn't sure, and just as a word of advice, if you don't know, you know, like, don't ask. And so my buddy is thinking the same thing I'm thinking, except for, you know, he doesn't have the filter. You know, and so he looks at her, and he goes, hey, hey, when's your, when's your baby due? And uh, she looks at him, and she's irritated, and she says, I'm not pregnant. Now, there is an awkward, you know, sort of silence there, and I'm trying to find a hole I can crawl into, and, you know, he doesn't know how, I mean, how do you recover from that one? And so he does the best that he can. He goes, oh, I was just kidding anyway. Well, you know, that didn't work. And so needless to say, you know, we never, and we really, we never saw that lady again. And I'm, I was like, man, you're, that's so wonderful. Uh, so there's no doubt that there are times when all of us, we, we say things, you know, that we wish we would have never said. And, uh, and there's just, there's great power. That, that, is, that are in your words, that's in your words. I mean, words are so powerful. Uh, now, there's that old saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. I'm absolutely not true. Uh, words make people carry around wounds much longer than broken bones. And that's one reason why I, I like the book of James so much, because he's not hard to follow very practical. He talks about practical things that apply to our lives today, and one of the things that he talks about, the, th the thing that he talks about that we're going to be focusing in on today is our speech, about how important it is that we are careful with our words. And I'm sure that this is uh, something that you need to be reminded of, and I know it is for me as well. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see the power of speech and it is a rare sight when you see people using their words to build people up instead of to tear them down. And so James is going to address the issue of speech. And it's my hope that, that we'll go, we're going to learn today from our scripture about the incredible power that comes with what we say. 
And so we're going to look in James chapter 3 and verse number 1 in just a few moments. And as a reminder as to what's going on here, and I'll, I'll probably do this as we go through the book of James, but the people being written to were Jewish Christians that were no longer living in Israel. Most of them had dispersed out of the country. They were living all over the ancient Roman Empire. And the reason why is because they, were, they started undergoing persecution because of their faith. And so they went to these different countries trying to make a new life for themselves. But it didn't take long while they were unified and going to a new area. Before long, they started having trouble. You know, anytime you get a group of people together and they kind of live together for a while, I mean, eventually there's going to be some turmoil. And there was turmoil because of their speech. And in the book of James, you'll see that James talks about, hey, you guys are gossiping. Uh, you're using your words to tear each other down. And it was destroying the people. You see, they didn't understand, or they were not able to recognize the great power that comes with our words. And anytime you don't recognize the power of something, you, know, it, you can get yourself into trouble. If you don't recognize it and you don't respect the power of something. Uh, an example of this for me is, uh, I remember when I first started driving, I'm sure you do too. And if you had, some, most of us, or a lot of our experiencing, experiences in, in first driving, you might drive a go-kart or you might drive, get to drive a golf cart, but it is a totally different animal when you get into a, a, you know, a regular car. And, and you don't understand how powerful a car is. Remember when you first started driving about how hard it was to sort of gauge how hard it, you, you have to push down on an accelerator? You know, just trying to figure out that nice little medium. When you first start driving, you just sort of cram down on it, and your parents are next to you, and their heads fly back. And then you start working the brake, and, and you don't realize the power of the brake. And so you like, just like cram your foot on the brake, and your dad's head goes through the windshield. So he's like, you know, just whiplash. Now, we, most of us don't drive like that anymore. And the reason why is because we've gotten practice, and we've learned how to, how to drive and use those pedals with a little more finesse, right? And because of that, it creates a much smoother ride. The same thing can be said for our speech. You know, when, when we begin to understand the power of our speech, we can begin to speak with a little more finesse so that you know, we're not causing whiplash with our words. And it makes, when you speak with finesse and learn about the power of your speech, you will find out it makes for a much smoother ride in life. And so today we're just going to take a look at and what James has to say about speech and how powerful it is. And the very first thing he says is that your speech has the power to guide. Your speech can direct lives. Now look with me in chapter 3, verse number 1. It says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who's able to control his whole body. Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal and consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Okay, what's James doing here? James is talking about the power of the tongue. And he says it's tremendously powerful and we need to recognize it. Not only do we need to recognize it, but we also need to be diligent in how we use it. And he speaks about teachers here. And he says, you know, not everyone should aspire to teach, or there shouldn't be, not everybody should teach, because it's a very serious position. And whenever you are leading someone, 
what you do not only affects your life, but it affects others, other people's lives as well. Now, before you say, well, you know what, I'm really not a leader, I don't have to worry about it. If you are a parent, you are a leader. Your children are watching you. And so how you conduct yourself and how you speak will not just affect your life, it will also affect their lives. So we need to be careful with our speech. And he brings up two examples here. He talks about a bit and a rudder. Now, we can talk about horses first, and he talks about a horse bit. Now, horses, I think on average, they weigh anywhere from like, like 800 to 1,200 pounds. And that's a big animal. And in a competition between a man and a horse physically, I mean, hands down, the horse wins every time, right? Because it's big. It's strong. If you decide you're going to ride a horse and you hop on the back of a horse, let me tell you something. You are not controlling that horse. That horse is going to go wherever he wants to go, not where you want to go, unless there's a bit in his mouth. Now, when there's a bit in the mouth of a horse, the rider is able to control the horse. He's able to guide it to the left or maybe guide it to the right, but he's able to direct where it goes. And so what James is, what James is saying here, it's really interesting. He says, whoever controls the mouth will control the entire beast. That is your tongue. It's a picture of the mouth. You control your mouth, you'll be able to control your life, how you live, how you impact people. He also speaks about a rudder. And, of course, you know, compared to a ship, a rudder is a small part of, you know, the ship. But without a rudder, a ship is aimless in where it's going. The rudder is what directs the ship and guides the ship. The same thing is true with your tongue. Your tongue has the ability to guide and direct where you go and even where other people go. Therefore, it's important that you are careful with your speech. You know, there's a, the same, loose lips sink ships, but also your, your mouth, not only does it sink ships, it also, it also can give encouragement and provide hope to people. The Bible recognizes this. It says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. A King David wrote this in Psalm 141, 3 and 4. He prayed to God and said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to an evil thing. David's praying, say, God help me to keep my mouth shut. God watch over my mouth. David understood the power of words. So never underestimate what your words can do. Never underestimate the guidance and the influence your speech can be on other people's lives. Now there's a, a sort of a sweet story about this man. He got up one morning and he was going out to get his paper, and he opened the door, and he said there was this little dog sitting on his doorstep, wagging his tail, and his tongue was hanging out, and he said, his, my newspaper was right next to him. And he's like, well, that's, that's not even my dog, and he brought me my paper, so he thought that was neat, and so he went inside, got uh, some treats for the dog, fed the dog, and he petted him and rubbed his belly, and the dog was just, you know, jumping up and down. He went inside and read the paper. He said, the next morning, I got up, went to the door, opened it up, so that same dog was on my porch again. And he said his, his tail was wagging, his tongue was out. He said, my paper was there, he said, with seven other newspapers. He said, I, I spent the next 30 minutes going to my neighbor's houses, giving them their papers back. He said, but that showed me what happens when we encourage. He said, man, people want to do more. 
When we encourage, we can, we can actually encourage people to do more than they've ever dreamed of. And so what James is teaching us here is that your speech has the power to guide and influence and direct lives. I, mean, I think most of us know that. So our, our speech, it has the power to guide. But here's the negative side of this. It says our speech also has the power to destroy. We can use our speech in a way that we can cut people to the quick. And we can destroy any, any kind of hope that they have in their lives. Look with me in verse number 5. James said, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a, uh, forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. It says the tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, as, and is set on fire by hell. For every creature, creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish, is tamed and has been tamed by man. Listen to this. He says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, you read that and you think, oh, there's, that seems to be a little overstated. But the longer you live, you're like, well, that's absolutely true. What you say is powerful. Now, it, it's a neutral power. It can be used either for good or it can be used for bad. The tongue, your speech, is powerful, but it can be used for good or for bad. Now, James points out the, the obvious. He says, now, your tongue, it's a small part of your body, right? I mean, unless you're just a freak. You know, your, your tongue is not bigger than your feet, you know, unless you're Gene Simmons. So your tongue is a small part of the body. Now, just because it's a small part of the body does not mean that it's not powerful. It is so powerful. And James compares it to like, a, he says, we all know that a small fire can consume a forest. And that's what the tongue's like. Uh, my, my brother-in-law lives in Idaho. And so I've, I can go out to Idaho and I'll hunt with him. He called me. And he said, you know that place where we hunt out here? I was like, yeah. He said, we're not going to be able to hunt there anymore. He said, it rain, I mean, y'all, it rains like in Idaho like four inches a year. I mean, it's like awful. And so there was a lightning storm, and lightning hit this one spot where we hunt, and just from that little, a little grass fire started, and it consumed 140,000 acres in a matter of days. That whole area. He said, he said, every animal out there has been burned. He said, we will not be able to hunt there again for four to five years. You know, that is what the tongue does. You can say something, and it can create a fire that will destroy and hurt people for years. So what does that mean for us? It means we need to be careful about how we use our speech. That's why the book of Proverbs has a whole lot to say about how we speak. Proverbs 14.29 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Right? Slow to anger, you're wise. Quick-tempered, start spewing stuff out of your mouth, you're foolish. Proverbs 17.27 says, He who restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Uh, there's another verse I didn't put in there. It's in Proverbs. It says, Even the foolish man is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. Guys, if, 
If our mouths aren't restrained, then James says that you are like an, an untamed animal that will destroy. What does that mean? Be careful. Think before you speak, because your words have lasting impact. Your words are powerful. And, and God gives us warning, telling us, hey, be careful with your words. Let me, let me, I think one of the warnings, that, uh, an example you can give is with an invisible fence. Y'all, have y'all know those? If you have a, dog, a larger dog, you might have gotten an invisible fence. We used to have a chocolate lab uh, named Count. Count was, he was a godly dog. And so he's a great dog, but where we used to live, uh, he could wander wherever he wanted to. You know, we didn't have, we weren't in a neighborhood, and so that was great. He could go wherever he wanted to. We move into a neighborhood, your neighbors don't necessarily like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't get that. But uh, so neighbors get upset, you know, whenever a, a strange dog's in their garage, you know, eating their dog food. And so we, we, had, we put in an electric fence. Now, what does an electric fence do? Well, it contains the dog. And whenever he gets, you know, because if you don't contain him, then he, he can wander out into traffic and get run over, all these terrible things. And uh, so this fence, he had a collar on, and so when he'd get close to the, the fence line, you know, it would, it would beep. And that's a warning to the dog, to let the dog know you, you need to step back. Because if you don't, you, there, you have a, it's a shocking experience, right? And so he'll come up to the fence, he gets shocked. Now, if he runs through the, if he runs through the fence, then he is fair game for traffic. And so that, that uh, invisible fence serves as a reminder. So sometimes you'd hear it beep, and then you'd see the dog, he'd, he'd start backing off from, from that boundary line to get back where it's safe. Now, God has given us an invisible fence in all of our lives, and that it's our conscience, See, when, whenever we begin to, to move too close to the boundary of where God wants us to be, our conscience will begin to speak to us, saying, you're getting ready to find yourself in trouble here. You need to back off. The Bible mentions this in Romans 2.15. It says, the law is written in their hearts. God has written his law in our hearts, so we know naturally what is right and what's wrong. It says, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Now, if you are a believer, God allows the Holy Spirit to work as that sort of that chirping sound in your life, saying, this is an area where you do not need to tread, so you need to back off. And God gives us warning after warning all throughout Scripture about where he wants us to walk and how to live. He says, in your speech, be careful, because there is the power of life and death in your speech. Jesus said, the words that come out of your mouth are an indicator of what's inside of your heart. So here's the question. Are you paying attention to what, what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon your heart? When, when, when you sense the Spirit impressing upon your heart, you don't need to say that? You need to back out of this situation? Are you obedient to that or are you ignoring it? Because whenever you ignore it, because eventually you're going to end up getting shocked. See, understand that there is great destructive power in your speech. Therefore, you want to guard what comes out of your mouth. James shares with us the power of speech, the power to guide. It has the power to destroy. But there's a positive side, too. It also has the power to bless. You can use your speech in a way that you will bless and change somebody's life. Uh, let me read to you our final four verses, starting in verse number 9. It says, with it, with our speech, it says, we, we bless our Lord, the Father, and Lord and Father, and with it, on that side, is we can curse men who are made in God's likenesses. Out of the mouth, same mouth, 
come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. And he says, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? And can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Now, he compares our speech to water. And he says the kind of water that should come out of your mouth should be fresh water, you know, good water. Now, this is a great illustration for him to use in the context of where he was. He's in the Middle East. These people were from the Middle East. Water in the Middle East is a very scarce commodity. It is something people want to have because it gives life. James is saying your speech is like water. Why? Because your speech gives life. Again, the book of Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 18.4, it says, The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, a flowing river, a fountain of wisdom. Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Have you ever experienced this in your life before? Where you've been discouraged and somebody shared a word with you that lifted your spirits? You know, when you didn't believe in yourself, or you were down and somebody came along and encouraged you, can you think of a time like that when that's happened? Unbelievable. How words can change your attitude. How words can change your outlook on life. James tells us your speech is like water in that it refreshes people. That it gives them life. He then compares our speech to like a tree. He begins to mention the different kinds of trees. Now again, this is a great illustration because in the Middle East, y'all, it is hot. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, it's a pleasant day. And then like at noon, it's 123 degrees. And you're like, man, that is awful. And, I, you know, people here say, well, it wasn't a, you know, that was a dry heat. I'm like, who cares? You know, it's a baker broil, baby. It is scorching. And when it's that hot, you know what's a great thing to find? A tree. What does a tree do? A tree provides shade. Now, we live in a world, and we always have, that is hot and brutal, and people are looking for shade. You know who gives shade? Believers. Followers of Jesus give shade to people whenever we offer words of blessing and words of encouragement. It provides shade for people. You know, I, I know a lot of people who are so bound up by their past and by the things they've done in the past. And some of the things, I mean, I've heard some stories. I'm like, man, that is scary what that guy's done. And they are so bound up by what's happened in the past. They say, I don't have a future. God will never forgive me for that. And so they, they live in bondage. I can provide shade in sharing with them, hey, you know what? God loves you. And God provides forgiveness. And that's why Jesus came and he gave himself up on a cross and he shed his blood that our sinfulness might be able to be washed away, that we might be able to have freedom. That is shade for people. Guys, we can share a message like this that lets people know that God finds you valuable. No matter what your past is. He speaks of, of fruit in our text today. What does fruit do? It nourishes people. We have people who are hungry for somebody to tell them something good. 
Who does that? We do. We're supposed to do it. We are to use our speech in a way to build people up, to let them know that there is a God who can take your brokenness and use it for his glory. You might say, man, I'm, I'm not that great of a person. I have these things in my past. I have scars and wounds in my past. God can't use me. Oh, yeah, he can. God uses brokenness all the time. There's an old, an old tale about an Indian who's a water bearer, and he's going to his master's house. He'd always fill out two pots with water, and he'd carry them on a stick and walk to his master's house. This is not a true story, but it's an it's a old tale. And so he's carrying, carrying these pots. One of them had a crack in it, and every time he would go to his master's house, that one pot would leak out half the water. And the, the pot was frustrated. That's how you know it's not true. The pot was frustrated. And the pot began to talk to the, to the water bearer, and he said, I, I'm so frustrated that every time we get here, I always lose half of what I always had because it's cracked. And the water bearer kind of smiled. He said, when we walk back down the path, I want you to look on the path. And they're walking back, and he sees a line of flowers. And it made the, the, the pot just sort of, sort of enjoy the view. And the Indian told him, he said, you know, I planted these seeds here because I knew you had a crack. And so I knew you'd leak out water. He said, it's on your side. He said, so every day when I carry you, you water those flowers. And he said, so every time we go to the master's house, I'm able to cut fresh flowers and put them on his table. He said, now if it wasn't, if you weren't who you were, if you weren't just the way you are, this beauty would not have graced his house. He said, your, your brokenness has been used to provide beauty. Guys, our God works in the same way. God knows that we are broken people. But God can take the cracks and the bruises and the wounds in your life, and when his grace works in your life, he can use your brokenness in order to provide beauty in this world. People need to hear words of life. Now let me just briefly share with you a few words that you can use that are helpful. One is please and thank you. You know, when these words are used, it shows others that we view them as people and not things. It shows appreciation. Use words like please and thank you. In other words, uh, other words you can use, I'm sorry. Those two words are incredibly powerful. It's amazing. In, in all honesty, those words have the ability to break down barriers that have stood between people for years when somebody's willing to say I'm sorry. It builds bridges between people. And there might be some of you, and you can think, there's somebody I need to say I'm sorry to. Other words, I love you. People need to hear that you love them. And when you share those words, you show them how much you value them. And then finally, I'm praying for you. As believers, the greatest thing that we can do for other people to let them know that we care about them is to lift them up to God, that God might touch their lives. Words are powerful. As we need to understand how, how powerful our words are. Our words have the ability to guide, to destroy to bless. And my hope for you and for me is that when we speak, that we will think about our words and how our words can impact a person's life. And whenever God is involved in your words, powerful things can happen.